All right, well, I've heard some incredible stories this week. First of all, some of you are neighboring rock stars. Um, I've been so inspired by the stories I've heard this week. I've heard some stories um, from some of you that, that filled out this block map from last week um, with no problem at all, and you kept on going. You had uh, the eight neighbors in there, and you just kept on going. You're, you're invested, you're having block parties. I don't know why you're not up here preaching this message instead of me, but um, so incredible. Lots of amazing stories. Me, I took a baby step this week. I learned another neighbor's name. And um, I, I probably, I don't, I don't need to broadcast names this morning, but it was one of my neighbors that I had never seen before and in seven months of living there. And remember the, the one I was talking about last week that we moved in and I, I saw them and I hadn't seen them since? I saw them again this week. So I think, I think God cares so much about our neighbors. And, you know, here's the thing, you know, they, they popped their head out for maybe like five minutes. We had this conversation and, you know, maybe they're brilliant and I have no idea. Maybe they're going to be my best friends. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But, but, you know, maybe that person for you is next door and we've just never taken the time to, to go and, and learn and go and, and go and basically know them. And so um, let's start this morning. Let's stand and read God's word. We're going to jump right in. And Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 38, okay? I'll read it to you. It's, it's going to be up on the screen. You can follow along. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus said, Martha, 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 you are worried and upset over many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Amen? All right, let's pray, and we'll jump right in. Father God, we just thank you for what you're going to do here this morning. We give this morning to you. God, your word's not mine. Let it seep down into our hearts. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So I said I was going to um, pull you up at the beginning of the message. Go ahead and put up that first slide. Um, remember, uh, we're going to give, give you an opportunity to give this morning. Um, so I didn't want to forget about this. Thank you, Derek. Um, they're just going to pass these um, just as I go. So you guys can go ahead and start. If you want to sow into the Harvest Sound System. Um, this morning. Um, let's do that and bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, pass those. Thank you for reminding me about that. Sorry I missed that. All right, so last week we talked about, oh, by the way, just write your checks. If you're writing checks, write them to Destiny. Um, we'll make sure that everything in this offering goes directly to Harvest. We'll give them one check and bless them. All right, so last week we talked about the value of taking the great commandment literally and seriously and about how easy it is and how tempting it is for us to turn the most powerful teaching that Jesus gives us into a metaphor. And so if you weren't with us, I want to encourage you to grab one of these refrigerator magnets. We've still got a few of these um, back in the, the basket at the back. Our ushers will help you with that. 
Um, and I, I hope what it does is it inspires you to pray, to think about where God has placed you. You know, if you didn't get, uh, get a chance to grab one, make sure you grab one before you leave. We, we're almost down. I think we maybe have 10, 15 back there. And so if you don't know what this is about, you'll see another copy of it on the front of your, uh, your bulletin this morning. But there's a little house on the front that says, you are here, you're right in the middle. And uh, there's eight squares around there. And the challenge, the big challenge from last week was to learn those names. Learn those names, get to know them, get to know what they're dreaming about, get to know your neighbors so you can love them. And so if you were here, I'd like to know this. How many of you last week, you put this thing on your fridge and somehow... Some way you were able to fill in one little piece of information. How many of, how many, awesome. That's a big deal. Let's give these guys some hand. That's a big deal. So I'm going to come up here next week and I'm going to hold this thing up again and I'm going to ask the same question. And so I, I pray, I know that God will open up doors and opportunities just like uh, for my neighbor this week. I've been thinking about this, praying about this, this neighbor I hadn't seen since for seven months since I moved in. It was like, I should have probably called the police. I hadn't seen her. <laughs> All of a sudden, this week, she shows up and is like, oh, hey, you're, you're still there, you know. <laughs> and so we, we were able to connect again. I was able to ask about her family. And she was telling me about her son, who she just wishes would move out, <laughs> and, and her adult son. And, you know, and so I, I, I know that as we are intentional about this and as we pray about this, that God will open doors. And that's a big deal. So if you didn't, I want to encourage you to keep going. And I'm going to, I'm going to come up here next week and I'll hold it up again next week and we'll ask again. But my, here's my guess. My guess is that many of you walked out of here last week somewhat conflicted. On one hand, hopefully you had this renewed sense about the value of simply learning some names and getting to know some people that you know are, are next to you just a little bit better. And if you're like me, though, on the other hand, you're probably thinking to yourself, how in the world am I going to have time to do any of that, <laughs> right? I mean, my life is already so full. How could I have some time for one more relationship, much less eight? right? <laughs> you start thinking that way because we live such busy lives. And so this is a tension that has consumed me for a while. And I believe the issue of time and even um, the, the culture that we live in is a culture of busyness. And it's actually one of the biggest obstacles I think that the church has to overcome in our American culture. I've actually preached um, this message or portions of this message about eight or nine years ago here. And I've preached this message. This is just a message that um, God laid on my heart. Um, that's because, I think it's because I have to preach it to myself every time I preach it. <laughs> and and I've, pre I've shared this message in churches all over the district almost every time when I would go to church. This is the message or similar to this message that I would preach um, based on these verses because we have been so consumed by a culture of busyness in America, of, of getting stuff done. So I want to wrestle with the question today, you know, do we live at a pace that even allows us to be available to those that live around us, to the people that God calls us to love. If the two biggest commandments in the Great Commission are to love God and to love others, love our neighbor as ourselves, do we live at a pace that even allows us to do that? And so we live in a world that values production and results and activity, and we often just move from one task to another, one task to another. And we look at our inbox, you know, in the emails, and we try to get through our voicemails. And if you're like me, you know, you create some to-do lists, 
and you've, you've got the list and you check them off as you go through the day and you get everything done that you're supposed to. And, and some, for some of us, that in and of itself will max us out. And, and, but busyness, hear me, busyness costs us depth. It costs us depth. It's hard to go deep when you're always going wide. It's hard to go deep. And I know what it's like to be the king in the land of the shallow. <laughs> I know what it's like. Why, why are we going here today when we're in this message, this series on neighboring? Because busyness is expensive. Busyness costs us. There's a cost and a consequence, and it's pricey. And for, for what we're talking about in this series, it could cost us the time and the space that we need to have in order to love our neighbors. So have you thought about the fact that we live at a time where there are more time-saving devices than at any other point in history in the world? I mean, if, if you were to have a conversation with somebody and, and, you know, 15, 20 years ago, and you were to tell them the kind of, you know, stuff that we have in our hands right now, you know, let me tell you what life is going to be like, you know, in 20 years. We're going to be able to, to work and talk on the phone while we're anywhere, while we're traveling, while we're in the car, even if you're not supposed to, right? We, we can get on the phone and do video calls and conferencing from anywhere. We can dictate to our phone when we're driving to the next meeting. Uh, and guess what? You can pause live TV. <laughs> you can fast forward the commercials. You don't even need to watch the commercials. <laughs> or even better than that, you can download everything to your tablet and just take it with you and, and watch your show while you're on the airplane. You know, and so, I can go on and on and on with a list of things that 20 years ago we would have never imagined. And, and if someone had told me that, I think that probably the first thought that I would have had is, what, I gonna, what am I going to do with all my free time, right? <laughs> what am I going to do if, if I have all these time-saving devices? I mean, if I can get done in eight hours what it was taking me 48 hours to do, what am I going to do with all that time, <laughs> right? That would be the question that would pop up. And it's true. We have become so much more efficient. We can get so much more done because of these different advances in technology. And so you would be thinking, well, I'll be able to have the life that I've always wanted to have. I'm going to go out hiking two days every week. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to hang out with my family or bake or whatever it is that you love to do. And, you know, you would be thinking, I want that. I'm looking forward to having that. And there's only, prob there's only one problem with that, right? None of us are doing that. <laughs> None of us are doing that. You know, we, 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 a few of us have, have, have actually taken advantage of what we're able to do because of technology and created more space and more margin in our lives. It's, it's all because of the man, right? The man just expects us to do more work. <laughs> and so what most of us have done, and we don't even realize it because, you know, the, the, the technology and the change, it, it's just happened and we just kind of adapted. But, you know, we've just decided that we're going to cram more and more things into our life and get more stuff done. It feels good to get stuff done, right? And so if, if I don't, it feels like, well, I'm getting, I'm going to be behind. And so there's a number of different myths that have caused us to live at this kind of work speed, to just kind of jam more stuff in there and more and more and more. And I want to give you just a few of them. I put in your notes underneath each of these things. Um, you can circle them as, as I kind of go through them. You never think this. You sometimes think it or you always think it. Here's the first lie. There's not enough time to do everything. Kind of, how many of you, you don't need to raise your hands, but circle, you never think it, you sometimes think it, you always think it. There's just not enough time. 
Can I say that that is a lie? <laughs> it, it also has another name. The name is, if there are only more hours in the day. Right? So, in response to that, the truth is that there is just enough hours in your day because God put 24 hours in the day. And so, you know, somebody is mismanaging their time. It's either you or <laughs> God. And so, this is just my thinking. We probably shouldn't blame God, the creator of time, for that. So at some point, when you think that there's so much to do, that's a lie that fuels our busyness. Number two, how about this one? The second lie is this. It's just a busy season that I'm in right now. How many of you have said that this week? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I probably did. <laughs> this, is, this is my default lie, the one I used to use so, so, so much, even in my marriage. We use this lie and we say, it's just... It's so busy now, it's just a busy season. And we don't even put the quotes on it, right? It's just a lie that we believe. And, you know, but the, you know how seasons are. Easter's coming up, so we've got all the services to plan for. We just finished Christmas, and now Easter's coming. And there's all these things that are going on. There's lots of stuff going on. There's these trips that we have that we're preparing for and the different things like that. But when this season is over... This is the promise that we, then we're going to, we're going to, it's all going to go back. Life is going to be as normal, right? <laughs> it's all going to be good. It's just a busy season right now. And so here's the truth. It's not the season that's busy. <laughs> it's the person that's busy. And busy addicts, which many of us are, and we just don't want to admit it, are always looking for an opportunity to score on their drug of choice, which is more to do. So if you believe this lie, you'll always be busy. Third lie. <laughs> the third lie is this. This is really, 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 really important. <laughs> this thing, this event, this thing I'm going to take, you know, my time for, this task, this person, this meeting, this opportunity, we line these things up in front of us that are really important and we're constantly faced with busyness then, right? Here's the key. It's not just what we think is really important. What happens is it's what other people in our world also think is important, and then we put that on us too. And we think that what they think is important, so now everything's important, right? And, and so they transfer their urgency to becoming our emergency, and we take it. And so their problem now becomes my problem because it gets on my to-do list and on my calendar. And so um, Doug Fields, he's the author of, of this book. It's going to be up on the screen here, What Matters Most When No is Better Than Yes. Um, this is the book with the message that really kind of gave me my God moment with this. And in it, um, he mentions meeting the president of Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, for those of you that haven't had the pleasure I'm sorry. Um, I, I believe it's the, the chicken uh, sandwich of Jesus' choice. Uh, but anyway, the president, the president is um, described by many as a wonderful, um, godly man. He's very committed to, to Jesus and to, um, to loving God. And so anyhow, Doug, Doug Fields, the author of this book, had this idea and he wanted to co-author with somebody with some true life marketplace experience. So he asked to meet with the president and he kind of dumped this idea on him about co-writing the book with him. And uh, after Doug finished the pitch, 
This, you know, he kind of says, I know you're probably one of the busiest guys on the planet, and you probably don't have time for something like this, but I just wanted to throw the idea at you. And now his response, <laughs> the president replied, looked at him and said, I am really busy, but really busy people always find time for what's really important. I can just drop the mic right now and walk out, right? <laughs> That'll preach. But here's the thing. What happens when you're going through life and you think that everything is really, really important is you begin to run on empty. You begin to drain yourself because everything is important. So when you're running on empty, what happens is you begin to lose. You begin to not have the gift of discernment. <laughs> You, uh, you don't have wisdom, you don't have the intelligence to be able to discern and decide what is really, really important because you're running on empty, you're running on fumes, and things like loving your neighbor, which is really, really important. And so when everything seems really important, what happens? Nothing is as important, and that's a warning sign. When everything is really, really important, that should be a warning sign to you. If we were to go out for a meal today, we just kind of sat knee to knee after church, and we were to have a conversation about this and talk about what we value most in life. Most people in here, not everybody, but most people would say something like this. They'd start this list, you know, God at the center, Jesus at the center, and then they'd list family, maybe career, you know, and, you know, start that list going down, school. You know, that would, those would be the values. But frequently we make choices that don't validate those same values. So when you're running on empty, what happens is your perspective is off. Your decision-making becomes blurry. We crumble under pressure, and here's what we do. We elevate things that aren't really important. We elevate things that aren't important. We devalue things that maybe are. So then we, we, we take these lies, like some of the, the three that we listed, and you multiply them but I, by what I would call a cultural lie, that we have here, especially in America, then the bigger cultural lie is, busy is better. I mean, you even hear it in a language. You begin listening for this in conversations. You begin listening for it. You know, people walk by, how you doing? Keeping busy. <laughs> right? Isn't that a thing that we say? You know, why, why do we say that? As if, as if busy is the ultimate value. You keeping busy? Yeah. I'm keeping busy. How about you? <laughs> right? Good for you. So am I. Here's the truth I want you to walk away with today. If you were here eight, nine years ago when I shared this message, I hope it, I hope it stuck with you. This is what I want you to remember. Busy isn't better. Choosing better is better. Take that with you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this in scripture in just a minute. Busy isn't better. Choosing better is better. I want you to walk out of here today knowing that busy isn't better. Choosing better is better. For your sake, for the sake of your neighbors, for who God has called you to, who he's placed you in your neighborhood, where you are, for them. So I'm going to tell you something that might hurt to hear, but got to say it, busy people are broken people. We, we, I'll say it this way, we, because <laughs> I'm pointing my fingers at myself, we're, we're broken emotionally, we can be broken spiritually, we can be broken relationally because we don't have time for relationship, 
And the reason that we are so busy is we're trying to fill up what we're broken with. Activity is our go-to to fill the need of our brokenness. And we got to remember that busy isn't better. Choosing better is better. I'm convinced that until we learn to choose better, then we'll always be running on empty. And when you're running on empty and you're running on frooms, we're always going to be missing the mark because we're tired, because we're spent. I seem to read in scripture about a life of living, life of, of fullness, right? John 10, 10, I want to live a life that's full, better than I ever could think of or imagine. That's the kind of life that I want to live. I don't want to live a life that, of, of being spent and broken and empty. And so let's, let's just move this on from just my opinion and let's go to God's word. In the, the verses that we, we read earlier in Luke 10, we have a conversation that Jesus has with two people. One who chooses better and one who doesn't choose better. And what's interesting about this, it's almost like just an aside conversation that happens. It's just in the brevity of five verses that we read this. But there's an incredible depth in here. And I hope it speaks to us this morning. Luke 10, starting with verse 38, says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted, circle distracted, highlight it, do whatever you need to. She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, Martha. <laughs> you are worried and upset over many things, but only one thing is needed. What does he say here? Mary has chosen what is better. Underline that, circle that, highlight it. <laughs> Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Like I said, a short little conversation. Let's unpack it just a little bit. Jesus comes to this woman's house with, with his disciples, and what was customary in this time when he entered somebody's house is that they would wash your feet and give you some food. The roads were sand and dirt, so you always had messy feet, so you'd walk in the house. You'd get your feet washed and you're offered some food. So the impression that we get from this text is that Martha was not only being welcoming and hospitable, but maybe she was maybe being even a little bit too much so. You know, it was quite possible that this Martha was the original Martha Stewart. <laughs> she was busying herself. She was making the lavender placemats out of yak hair, you know, or something like that. And while she's doing that, She's distracted with all the busyness. And her sister displays the opposite action, right? It says she's enjoying Jesus' presence. She's sitting at his feet, taking advantage of every opportunity to be with Jesus. The bottom line is that Mary chose better. One was busy, one chose better. So as I read this text, I don't know about you, but I find myself in it. Martha's busyness caused her to miss out on her opportunity to be with Jesus and with others. At first glance, it looks like Martha's the one who really gets it. You know, she cares so much about Jesus that she opens up her home and prepares a meal for him. But as we take a closer look, she hurries to get everything done and she's missing out on the main thing. You see that? 
She's missing out on the main thing. Martha's story reminds us that there's a danger of missing the point when we get hurried. When we worry about the wrong things. This happens in our spiritual lives. Hurry can be toxic. And here's the thing about this text. It's so important to look, for us to look at what Martha is doing. Because what she was doing wasn't bad, was it? I mean, she invites Jesus into her home, and, and she's being reprimanded for serving Jesus. Martha, Martha, Martha. Right? <laughs> Wrap your head around that. Sometimes we need to say no to good things in order, to say, in order not to miss the main things. Let's say it that way. Sometimes we need to say no to good things in order not to miss the main things. And this story, by the way, is coming right after the Good Samaritan story that we touched on last week where the scholar asked Jesus, what is the most important thing? And the answer was to love God with everything and to love your neighbor as yourself. So as we look at Mary and as we reread this passage, it's important for us to understand what's going on here culturally. This one sentence is loaded with significance. Look at this verse. Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. In the Hebrew culture, to sit at the feet of a rabbi is to indicate that this is a relationship between a disciple and a teacher. And so Mary's act of sitting at Jesus' feet goes against a number of cultural norms. Women were not supposed to be students in this culture at this time. They were not supposed to be a disciples of a rabbi. Women were culturally in the kitchen. They were culturally helping prepare a meal. A woman's worth was tied to her gift of hospitality and, and for her ability to be a good hostess. So now listen up, ladies. I love this because Mary doesn't care. <laughs> doesn't care about that. She goes against the cultural norms of her day because her life is centered on the main thing. She realizes what it's all about. And then she acts on that realization. We read about what Jesus says is most important and Mary knows what it is and then she lives it out. In order for us to be like Mary, in order for us to live out this text, especially when it comes to taking the second half of the great commandment seriously, to be engaged with, in community, to love our neighbors, to love them, it means that we're going to have to go against the cultural norms. Unfortunately, in our society, living at a pace, you know, which we are present is not the norm. <laughs> present even to our families, let alone our neighbors. It's become almost countercultural. Almost as countercultural as Mary going and sitting at the feet of a rabbi. And so if we're going to love our neighbors, we'll have to make time to simply be in our neighborhoods. <laughs> and for many of us, that means we're going to have to say no to things that everyone else around us seems to do without even thinking about it. It means that we're going to need to learn the art of elimination. It's, it's Michelangelo with his block, right? He had this huge piece of marble and they asked him what's the process for creating this masterpiece and you know what he said he simply said I just removed everything that wasn't a masterpiece I think that's Jesus heart 
for how we should embrace and live out the life that he wants us to live. We have all these different things and options around us that we can choose to be engaged in. And so often our plate is so full. There are so many different relationships or we're stretched so thin that we're just worn out and it's hard to go deep when you're going so wide. What many of us need to learn how to do is how to remove all those things that are not at the core of what God really wants us to be involved in. Jesus, when we look at him throughout scripture, nobody ever looks at him and says, well, man, he, he should have got more stuff done. No. He had this incredible ability to, to live with healthy rhythms, to focus on what really, really matters. And there were times when Jesus was in front of the multitudes and what did he say? He says to them, you know, I, I, I know everybody wants to hear more, but I've got to go. I've got to spend some time alone just being quiet. I've, I'm going to say no to this, even though there's multitudes in front of me. It seems like the task, this is really, really important, right? It's a busy season that he's in. He's going from mountain to mountain. Could have, all those things could be going through his head, right? And he says, no, I'm, I'm going to say no to this so I can be involved in what my father has for me. So I'm going to excuse myself. That's, that's a crucial skill for us. You've got to whip out a big can of N-O. <laughs> that you, so that you can say yes to the things that matter more. That can mean saying no to a whole plethora of things, to staying out late with friends instead of spending time with your family. You know, it, it can mean saying N-O to watching your shows <laughs> so that you can say yes to what Jesus has for you. I've lived at a fairly fast pace for most of my life. I'm kind of wired that way. Um, I've lived at an unhealthy pace at the expense of my wife and kids before. I've, I've, I've come to the place of a panic attack uh, in my life before. And, you know, so, you know, I, I know what it's like. And then just add seven kids to the mix and see what happens, right? <laughs> that's another, but, you know, to the point of panic attack. And that's, that's another story for another day. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I know parents. I know, I know our culture, you know, how you're feeling, the amount of activities and the things that my kids are passionate about. The possibilities are endless for the things that they could be involved in. Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And I've learned that, 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 that this issue of taking the great commandment literally and seriously, that it will confront a lot of things in our lives. It'll, it'll confront how we view stuff. It'll confront how we view money. Um, it'll really come up against how we view our time. But Jesus is saying, I've got something more in store for you. My plan is better. I want you to experience what it looks like to go deep with the people that I've placed around you in your neighborhood. And I want you to experience what it's like when you engage with these people who may be completely different than you, who maybe you don't even like so much, but I love them. And I've placed you there for them. But busyness puts us in a place by, <laughs> we get derailed by distractions pretty easily. Here's what happens. Pressure and pity starts arising in us when we're busy. Um, this is where you begin to have a little pity party for yourself, right? Martha says in verse, verse 40, Lord, don't you care? <laughs> Can you just hear it? <laughs> 
You hear the pity? We're not told in the text what was the boiling point for her, but you can kind of hear it in the story, right? We don't know what pushed her over the edge. We don't know if she was in the kitchen cooking and she pulled out a pot and inside the pot there was another pot that fell on the eggs and then the eggs splashed on the date and the fig appetizer and then she's like, ah! That scared the camel and then they, they started spitting. The disciples were asking for refills and she's like, enough, you know. <laughs> and then she snapped. And by the way, that's usually a sign that you're running on empty. When you have no margin in your life, no emotional reserves to pull from when things go wrong, right? And then you just lose it. You say and you do things that you regret. Lord, don't you care? How'd you like that to be written in the Bible after you said that, right? You've done this. You know what it's like. My spouse doesn't understand the pressure that I'm under. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I get to clean the house and take care of the kids. And my, my spouse doesn't appreciate the pressure at work. I mean, I, I feel the pressure to provide. My parents don't understand the pressure I feel in school. My friends don't understand the pressure I have, you know, to pay the bills. No one understands how hard it is to be me. <laughs> Pity. And then after pressure and pity shows up, guess what's right around the corner? Resentment. Verse 40 again, Martha has another classic line. Tell her to help me. <laughs> Tell her to help me. You can almost hear the resentment in her voice again, right? Jesus, tell her to get a little more in sync with my agenda. My, you know, if, if Mary was uh, more... If, <laughs> I could just see Martha coming up to Jesus. If Mary was more like me, Jesus, your feet would already be washed. We'd be eating well. I'd have time to trim your beard. And we'd be kicking back watching Dancing with the Samaritans by now. <laughs> it would be so good if she were just more like me. But how do we summarize this whole text? Here's what it comes back to. Busy isn't better. Choosing better is better. If you and I are going to be able to choose better, we've, we've got to be able to realize and recognize the lie. We've got to be able to recognize the pattern of busyness. And then when we've, we've got to long and dream for those words, you've chosen better. You've chosen better. When Martha worked, catch this, when Martha worked, what was Mary doing? She was worshiping. She chose better. When Martha was distracted, Mary was focused. She chose better. When Martha felt pressure, Mary felt peace. She chose better. When Martha was filled with resentment, Mary was filled with joy, enjoyment, filled with joy. Because Mary chose better. It's interesting if you were to look at the life of Mary, you'd see her three times in scripture and all three times she's at the feet of Jesus. You see it here in chapter 10. In John 11, she's grieving the loss of her brother. She's at the feet of Jesus. In John 12, we once again see her at the feet of Jesus when she brings a perfume and she pours a spice over his feet as an act of worship. She's at the feet of Jesus. Mary got it right. My gut says that if you and I had the choice, we'd want to have Mary's heart. You want that intuitively. You may live in a Martha world. You may even have a Martha wiring to your personality. And that's okay. But in your heart, 
You want what Mary had, and you instinctively want your soul to be close to Jesus. That's why you're probably here this morning. So let's take action on busyness today, just really quick, and we'll kind of wrap this up. Number one, you've got to confront the lie. Identify the lies. I, I, I wrote a few down for us this morning. You probably have some more lies that you've taught yourself just over the years. I want you to, to put them in front of you and confess them. You confess them for what they are. They're not empowering statements to give you more time. <laughs> They're sick. So when you begin to think that there's, not an, just, there's just not enough time to do everything, I wish I had more hours in the day, stop it. Stop it. That's a lie. When you're tempted to say it's just a busy season right now, <laughs> look in the mirror and go, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> when you try to justify to your spouse or your best friend, it's, you know, I've got to do this. This is really important. Just give them permission to hit me with a stick or something. Just whatever, whatever it takes. <laughs> as long as it helps you understand that there's only a few things that are really important. What lie do you need to confess that keeps you busy? I've listed some there. Start there. Confess. I've been lying about this. I've mismanaged my life. I'm not choosing what's right. Number two, the second is this. You name the distractions. This is so important. It's actually just very, very practical. Here's what I'd encourage you to do. I want you to take some time. doesn't necessarily need to be now, but take some time today. Probably is a good idea. Take your paper and begin to list all the responsibility you have, all the things that you have to do. The events that you go to, the carpools that you're in, the activities that you show up to, the ministries that you serve in. List all those things that you have and then begin to see if any of them might be distractions. You might go so practically as to lay your hands on them and pray. In fact, I would encourage you to do it. Lay your hands on them and pray. Say, God, would you give me insight into which one of these are distractions? When you find those distractions, begin to cross them out. Maybe you just don't know how to get out of it. It's something that you just keep on doing because you just don't know how to get out. That would be a distraction. <laughs> Ask God for wisdom to choose what is better. Because remember, busy isn't better. Choosing better is better. Maybe the most spiritual thing that you can do this week is whip out a big can of N.O. <laughs> Again, things that we do, these things on our to-do list, they're not necessarily evil. Mar Martha wasn't evil in her distraction. She just needed to say no to busyness so that she could say yes to Jesus, which was better. The third thing, this is a biggie. You got to choose what is better. <laughs> At the end of the day, wouldn't it be great to hear the voice of God saying, you've chosen what is better. And by the way, this is fundamental just to living life as a follower of Jesus Christ, right? Just choose what is better. Here's life, here's death, choose life. <laughs> and so, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, I have Christian mints or, or I carry, you know, Bible verses, you know, stamped on my Christian mints, or I have a WWJD bracelet back in the day or Bible, or even that I go to church. That doesn't make you a Christian. You know what makes you a Christian? It's by choosing God's way over the world's way, by saying yes to Jesus. And so it's that simple and that it's that complex, right? So let me leave you with some questions to think about just to unpack this this week. First, you have to have a standard for what is better. So the first question, what's the standard? 
I'm going to give you the answer to that. <laughs> if I'm going to live the preferred life that God has for me, I need to choose his way. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your standard is the Bible. God's word is your standard. The second question is this. Am I making choices by that standard? If I had to choose what is right, am I doing that? There's a lot of people who say, you know, I've got a standard. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm a Christ follower. This is the book. This is my standard. But I'm making choices Am I making choices based on that standard? Saying yes many times is a yes to busy. Busy isn't better. Choosing better is better. So if I'm going to make a decision based on, on that standard, I've got to know what that standard is. It means I have to know God's word. I've got to read it. I've got to absorb it. I've got to put it in my heart so his principles, I know how to make those decisions, all right? So what's my standard? Am I making choices by that standard? And a third, and this is very practical again, I hope that some of you will take me up on this. Third one, what do I need to choose to say no to today, this week, this month, this year? Just sit down and begin crossing those things out, giving you some space, some margin. Every yes is a no to something else. Every yes has the potential to cheat someone from your time. Really, you and I have to, to go through life choosing who we're going to cheat, in a way. Every time you make a decision, you're probably cheating somebody. So you say yes to staying late at work, you just cheated your home your family. If you say yes to watching 30 minutes of a show that brings no value to your life, you just cheated a friend out of a soul nurturing conversation that you could have had, right? If you think about it that way, it starts to hurt a little bit, right? Martha said yes to work. She cheated herself out of being at the feet of Jesus. You get the idea. Here's the point. You and I need help on what we say yes to and what we say no to. We need margins so that we can say yes to what is better. So I want to ask you to imagine what your life might look like if you had margin, if you had some breathing room in your schedule. I want you to imagine what it would look like if you had space for significant, deep relationships. What if you had time to choose what matters most? What if on Wednesday, when you know that there's opportunities and Thursday, and all, actually all through the week now, you, you, you know there's opportunities for you to plug into a class or connect group, you had the freedom in your schedule to actually do it. <laughs> What if you got excited about going as opposed to just going out of obligation? Oh, here's just another thing. I'm so busy. I don't have the time. Ah, why did I say yes? But what if, what if you had space in your life where you go, when I go to connect group, when I go and, and, and get in that circle, I'm going to be around other people and with God's spirit in them. And they're going to speak to me and minister to me. And my, I, maybe even I'm going to have some depth to be able to minister to them. So what if you had space as opposed to you're always being so tired and hitting the pillow thinking about that 150 things on your to-do list? Can you imagine having margin when you come to church? You arrive on time <laughs> to drink a cup of coffee and talk to somebody. And you don't feel a need to run out afterwards and beat the crowd. Maybe instead it's time to meet the crowd. <laughs> You have a conversation with somebody who's come alone and you meet their need in a great way. Or you come up afterwards and you take the time to be prayed for or maybe to pray for other people. Maybe you park a, uh, further away on the street to open up spots for people who don't normally come. Can you see that? Can you see that space in your life? Can you see making some courageous decisions this week that are going to require you to say no? Even as a people pleaser, you want to say yes, but you're choosing what is better.
When you do that consistently, here's what happens. Your pace slows down, your calendar lessens, your busyness fades. You don't run on empty anymore, but you run life full, walking in the fullness of all that God has for you. I want that so much for all of you. I want that for me. How many of you want to walk in the fullness of all that God has for you? <laughs> yeah. And so as you walk in the fullness of Christ, there's something about being full that when you walk around, the way that, I, that my youth pastor told me, discipleship is just being full, so full of Jesus that you can't help but over, over, you know, spill over on some other people when you're walking around. You're walking full of Jesus, and it's like the overflow just doesn't have a chance. It, 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 just, it just kind of spills out. That's how I want to live my life, not empty, not dry, not spent. Your heart is full. Your life is different. Can you see that? That full heart is what God desires, and that full heart is what um, I want for you. Would you stand with me? When you look at your calendar, how well does it match up with how Jesus asks us to be in community and to love people? That's the big question this morning. You, to ask you to give up something might seem countercultural. Um, I would argue that that's okay. Mary's story in Scripture here shows us that at times we have to live countercultural and center our lives, center our lives on what matters most. So, in order to do that, you may have to say no to some really good things. So, I want to encourage you just to slow down at some point in the day. And it's actually a good practice to do this every day, to slow down, to spend some time with God, right? To listen. But I want to encourage you sometime today just to ask God to speak to you. To say, you know, to say to him, God, what's your desire? What's your heart for my life? What's the next step that you desire for me to take? Maybe it's in order to learn a name, to have a meal with somebody who lives across the street. Just asking God to make it clear. What are you calling me to do in order to experience the kind of life that you want me to live? It's so easy to justify not doing it. Just like all the excuses that we have for not getting on the exercise bike. Right? I'm telling you, just listen. If you begin to ask God, if you begin to ask him, what is the next step? If you begin to ask God, what do I cross off this list to have some margin, for some, some space in my life to do what you have for me to do? Just like Jesus, when he's in front of the multitudes, it seemed like a really, really important thing. But when God the Father asked him to step away to do something else, he said, well, sorry, guys, I'm out of here. <laughs> God has something for me, and I want to walk in the fullness of all that he has for me. What's your next step? You'll be in for a ride that will change the way you live. It'll change everything. Can you imagine walking in margin, walking with some freedom in your schedule? I think it's, it's a lot like raising kids. You know, it can be really hard sometimes. But I don't ever want to go back, right? I love my kids. They're the, the, one of the greatest joys in my life. I think you'll find the same thing is true when it comes to neighboring, when it comes to loving our neighbors. Father God, I just pray and close this time this morning. We just ask you to fill us anew. We do not want to walk around, Lord, spent, empty, and dry. Good God, fill us up this morning.
I just pray, I ask, Lord, that we'd be able to make some time today to just hear your voice, just to speak into our, into our busyness. God, we, we are immersed in a sea of busyness. It's our culture. We're so wired and driven to do more and more and more. But God, I want it to be, I want, it, I want our culture, our kingdom culture, is that we're wired to do more and more and more for the kingdom. So God, help us this morning. Teach us the art of saying no so that we can say yes to the things that you have for us. God, I pray you'd help us to choose what is better. In your mighty name. I'm going to ask you all to repeat a prayer um, with me this morning. If you're here for the first time or uh, you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, um, we just want to make that opportunity available to you. Um, you know, we're talking about... <laughs> You know, busyness being spent, and, and I keep on referring to this verse in John 10, 10. It's, it's one of my life verses. I'd, I'd say it is my life verse. Walking in the fullness of all that God has for me. I want that for all of you. If you've never said yes to Jesus this morning, um, you know, he didn't, he didn't promise a life that, that was going to be free from um, pain, hurt, or trials, but he did promise that he'd be with us. And so um, if that's you this morning, would you just agree and pray this prayer with me this morning? Everybody repeat after me. Father God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. All of me. I surrender. Thank you for dying and giving your life for me on the cross. For taking my sins and giving me freedom this morning. And new life. I'm going to run with it and all that you have for me to do. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate this morning.